Now on the Business Radio X Network, Conscious Capitalism, elevating humanity through business in Southern Arizona. Your hosts, Sarah McLaren and Jeremy Neese. Southern Arizona does good business and we want to talk about it. Welcome to the Conscious Capitalism radio show and podcast streaming live and on demand from the Tucson Business Radio X studio. Conscious Capitalism is an international movement promoting business as a force for good. The Conscious Capitalism movement has 40 plus chapters in the United States, including Arizona, with lots of activity down here in the southern part of the state. We are bringing people together to make it easier for southern Arizona businesses to do good business and to partner with other organizations who know successful companies value all of their stakeholders, including the communities in which they operate. On this show, we want to shine a light on real-world examples of good business happening right in our own backyards. We invite leaders in our community to share their stories and experiences, to tell us about their personal journey through the world of business, to let us know what makes their organization great and how they go about bringing value to Southern Arizona. At the end of the show, we will share information on upcoming opportunities to engage with Conscious Capitalism. Please remember, you can always go to ConsciousCapitalismAZ.com to learn more. So let's get into some stories about good business and introduce you to the voices who will be participating in today's conversations. I'll start with myself, one of your hosts, Jeremy Neese. I am a big believer in the power of business and its ability to be a force for good in our society. I uh, try to demonstrate that with my time with my own organization, Retirement Evolutions, and certainly am a big proponent and champion of the conscious capitalism movement. And I'm Sarah McCrarran from McCrarran Compliance, where we provide safety training and consulting services specializing in MSHA, OSHA, and DOT. So our show is centered around a unique program named Scale Up. We are happy to have two of the organizations who make this program possible on our show today. From Local First, I'd like to introduce you to Mike Peel. Hi, Mike. Hi, good afternoon. And so Mike is the Southern Arizona Director for Local First Arizona. He is responsible for managing LFA operations, membership, and programs in Tucson, an encompassing region. Peel has spent his career developing and facilitating community-based partnerships and collaborations, creating innovative, long-lasting programs responsive to community issues lacking needed support, and bringing key partners together to create community and statewide solutions. We also have uh, CJ Aganagawag. Uh, CJ is Local First Arizona Scale-Up uh, Program Manager. CJ graduated from the Sustainable Built Environments program from the University of Arizona's College of Architecture, Planning Landscape, uh, Planning and Landscape Architecture. So thank you for being here, CJ. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good afternoon. So we also have uh, joining us uh, some members from the Tucson uh, 2030 district. So John Isley. John is the executive director of the Tucson 2030 district. He is a 38-year resident of Tucson and is passionate about sustainability and environmental issues, particu particularly as it relates <laughs> Easy for you to say uh, no. <laughs> show off. Uh, as it relates to green buildings and homes. After earning a BS in an engineering degree from the University of Michigan, John has had a wide-ranging career, including 22-plus years with IBM, owning several businesses and marketing a variety of environmental products over the years. 
John was involved in the early stages of the U.S. Green Building Council and helped to establish the first local USGBC chapter to Arizona. Welcome, John. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. And our last guest is uh, Peter D. Peter <laughs> Dobrolny. <laughs> Very good. Yep. <laughs> and Peter is a retired architect and planner who helped facilitate creation of the 2030 district in Tucson. He has over 20 years experience in solar uh, as a solar architect. Prior to retirement in 2014, Peter uh, was the Seattle 2030 district liaison, acting as project manager for the three-year EPA Climate Showcase Communities Grant, a public-private alliance to achieve carbon reduction. Beginning in 2000, uh, Peter was part of the City of Seattle's Green Building Program. He has received a number of local and national awards for energy efficiency design projects. Peter has a Bachelor of Architectures from CU and Masters of Urban Planning from UW. Thank you for being here, Peter. I'm excited. Thank you for having me. So if uh, you tuned out during any of those intros, let me just summarize it real quickly in my goodwill hunting voice. We got some wicked smart people in the room. They're very passionate and we're gonna have a great conversation around a program. And you know, a lot of times on the show, we've got people sort of telling us what's working within their organizations and giving us their examples of conscious capitalism. What I'm really excited to talk about today is we have something very specific. This isn't something that people have to sort of make an inference. How can I apply that into my own world? Like this is a very specific program with, specific actions that can be taken for people. So I'm real excited to get the story shared. I think we should sort of build first with just making sure everybody understands what your organizations are about at a high level, and then we can dig into the specifics of the program. So Mike, you want to kick us off? Tell everybody about Local First Arizona? Definitely. So Local First Arizona is the largest locally owned independent business coalition in the country here in Arizona. We're proud of that distinction. As it's you a big should distinction. be. And we are all about strengthening the local economy to make it more diverse, more inclusive. We do that through educational programming, through our membership uh, opp opportunities that we have regularly. We have uh, a presence throughout the state. We're also a nonprofit organization. So we have programming related to entrepreneurship and accelerating businesses that are needing more support and helping micro businesses in particular in low income communities. We have sustainability programming now, which we'll be getting into in detail today. And we do a lot of work in the rural areas as well. We have the uh, work of the, uh, the Rural Development Council that we oversee and food programming, local food programming with our Good Food Finder and so on and so forth. We have a lot going on. We're a very busy organization. <laughs> I was going to say, that's it? That's, yeah. you're, you're done, huh? That's, that's all the, you can uh, say. That's the fast <laughs> overview. But uh, I'll find that uh, we find that uh, the organization is able to offer a lot to local businesses and nonprofits. We serve both and we're able to support a variety of needs. That's fantastic. We thank you for bringing those services to our community. Thanks. Um, John, would you like to tell us a little bit about, you know, when we first started speaking a few weeks ago, you were the 2030 emerging district and and I understand there's some news breaking around that and some good exciting things happen in your world so if you could lay yeah. the landscape there for us please. Yeah absolutely last week was a really uh, landmark week for the 2030 district um, we go through various uh, we've been at this for about three years and it kind of culminated uh, big time last week the uh, city of Tucson the uh, Pima County and the University of Arizona all uh, signed individual MOUs, Memorandum of Understanding, to join 
the district and become members of the district, uh, which was a major uh, impact and, and growth for us. It also qualified us to get to what's the what's called an established district. So we're going to uh, join a, uh, about 20 other 20, 30 districts around the country. Uh, and all these districts are nonprofits, as we are, and the focus of the 2030 district, uh, the goals of all the districts, is to reduce our energy, water, and CO2 emissions by 50% by 2030. That's where the 2030 designation comes in. And it's followed on, <clears throat> there's a, there was a 2030 challenge that was issued a while back to the architecture community and picked up and the, uh, the 2030 districts, uh, you know, started in Seattle about five, six years ago, and we've been establishing one here in Tucson. And it's a, it was a major uh, accomplishment for us to get to that uh, landmark this week, and we're looking forward to really exciting uh, 2019 a year of growth for the district. That's outstanding. Congratulations, and thanks, thanks for sharing uh, a little background on what the organization's about. Yeah, and thanks for bringing it to Tucson. As someone who you know is planning to live here in 2030, I'm glad you know <laughs> we have that you know to look forward to you know and thinking about the future. Now, CJ, as the program manager of the of Scale Up. Tell us, what is that? Yeah, Scale Up is a really exciting program that's run through the foundation arm of Local First Arizona. Um, Scale Up stands for Sustainable Communities Accessing Lending and Education Upon Performance. I always have to remember that one. Which came first, the acronym or all those uh, words? Mike, do you? <laughs> I would say the uh, acronym <laughs> yeah. and then the words. And you know what, that's yeah. okay because in, in, this, in this situation, Scale Up also refers to um, the how we our approach to sustainable built, uh, sustainable businesses. Um, so a little background is Mike had actually been working on this program um, back when he was still with the Pima Community College. And this also stems from a lot of the work that was happening with the 2030 districts. Um, and essentially this program is all about helping businesses reduce their energy and water goals and, or I'm sorry, reducing their energy and water costs on the utilities by being more sustainable. Um, and so this has an impact on their, not just their bottom line, but their triple bottom line, which is that they are being good to the environment, they're being good on the economy, and they're being good to their employees and to the um, social equity of the community. So the Scale Up program, it it takes this private-public partnership model that 2030 really does well um, and it adopts their goals as well of um, trying to get to that 50% reduction by 2030. Um, but the way we went about it is we realized that Tucson has a wealth of information and a wealth of knowledge when it comes to sustainability. Um, and so there was no need for us to reinvent the wheel per se. We just wanted to make a program that put all these great re sustainability resources into one place so that businesses um, and members of our community could access it more easily. So we worked with all the members in the community, all the partners that we felt were really offering some great resources. We worked with the 2030 partners and um, all their professional resources. And we put together actually a workshop series where 11 businesses went through six workshops covering, let me get, see if I can get this, um, <laughs> energy efficiency, water, conservation, transportation efficiency, uh, green team management, waste reduction, and um, 
Energy Star Portfolio Manager. Um, it's a free program we use for, through the EPA to actually track the building's performances. So 11 businesses in our community went through these six workshops um, and they got to learn about sustainability and all these different topics. They benchmarked their businesses and how they took a look at how they're actually performing, right? So they, we made them, we had worksheets for them like, okay, are you using LED light bulbs? Are your employees actually turning the lights off? Are you using Energy Star products when you can? Um, are you actually recycling? How well are your employees recycling, things like that. And so then from there, uh, we help them set goals um, so that they can actually make improvements to their buildings and their businesses to start saving money on their utilities and to uh, start reducing their uh, emissions. That's awesome. I mean, it's great that you, you know, there's a lot of resources out there, a lot of knowledge in Tucson. And so you quickly identified that the need was to get the information out so it was accessible and then putting programs together to make it easily consumable. Yeah. So that's absolutely. great. How long have you been running the scale up program? Yeah. So we got uh, some state funding to do this program um, and we started. When do we really start getting into it, Mike? Mm. May. About yeah, May. The, the classes started April in May. May, and then we ran for six weeks. Um, it was a pilot program, so we kind of accelerated the timeline, but these businesses we had were really um, excited to be part of it. So it was six weeks in a row uh, for three hours once a week um, and from May to June. Okay. Yeah. And are you still doing more pilot sessions after this, or are we... So the pilot program is pretty much still wrapped up for now. Um, we are still, we're, now we're going back to our businesses, and we're going back to the partners that were involved to figure out how we can make it better. Um, this is a grant-funded program. It was free to all the participants, which I think was a huge value now that we're trying to assess how much that value really is um, and uh, the impact it's going to have economically, not just for them, but for the whole business community, um, you know, because this has ripple effects in the community when people start investing in their businesses, right? Of course. So uh, this is the pilot, and uh, we are going to start retooling it and getting ready for a full version that's ready for a, a bigger grant application coming up here soon. So. And so as we are a business coalition and serve businesses, we're putting a business plan together for the program to ensure it's long activity. So that's been uh, nice. what we've been hard at work on since the pilot, knowing how much it worked as a pilot and getting the feedback on, of course, how to improve. Everything can be improved. So we're looking at all of the uh, opportunities for growth and to roll out a bigger program in 2019 now with that business plan in hand. Yeah. So the next step is to uh, scale up, scale up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well put. So, uh, so Peter, you've got, uh, you know, a deep background in, in related initiatives. I mean, a long time, you know, champion for sustainability and environmental initiatives within business. So why did you choose to put your energy into scale up and what do you hope to see as the result? Let me add a couple of things first. Uh, <clears throat> As, as mentioned before, I started. I was very intimately involved in starting the first 2030 district in Seattle. Uh, to correct John, it was actually started in early 2010, and I that was very successful. Didn't go unnoticed. <clears throat> there are now 20 of them around the country. We're going to be 21 mm -hmm. of established districts. <clears throat> And through uh, connections I had nationally, I knew some people here, was looking for a place to retire, and presented the idea of a 23 district here in late 2014, and both Mike and CJ were very involved in the initial steps and in, in getting this thing off the ground. So I think, you know, <clears throat> but let me backtrack and say one thing. I think one thing that sort of guided me is something that one of our presidents, JFK, said, which was, 
Some men see things they are and ask why. I see things that never have been and ask why not. That's sort of always been a guiding principle in my life because I realize it's all problems. We need to get out of the, the boxes that we're stuck in. The other thing that's very important, too, I found is that uh, you can lead but you can't lead from in front because if you do, pretty soon you turn around, there's nobody back there behind you. So the only way to lead effectively is to get a lot of people engaged moving forward and lead from behind. Great, I love it. So, wow, it's a you know a great a great history and, and really a, a lot. I mean, if you think about you know that uh, started in Seattle in 2010 and now we're up to 21 chapters. Just you know eight years later, and Tucson being the lucky 21st, right? <laughs> um, so uh, you know, so congratulations and and you know thanks again. So Mike, so tell us a little bit more about the economics of the program. I mean, it sounds great, you know, it feels good, but you know. How does it pay off? Great question. And really building off of what CJ outlined as the program and its mechanics of how it works with the educational side, the uh, other piece to the program, a major, I think, innovative piece to the program is the revolving loan fund that we were able to accomplish, which wasn't even in the guidelines that we needed to accomplish for the initial funding. We got that far that fast. <laughs> and uh, That's not, usually not the, the bigger problem is the money. So yeah. get out in front of it. It's uh, a good well, thing. It was a goal. It, it wasn't the pilot goal, uh, if, but it was a goal that we had for the long-term vision of the program. We were fortunate to find a partner in the community and the community investment corporation a nonprofit lending agency willing to provide the support for the revolving loan fund which we thought would be the key to success for implementing these plans it was not just about getting plans on paper and getting people inspired but it was about getting these businesses and nonprofits to ultimately reach the 2030 district goals which are the reason we're all here at this table collaborating is to reach those 2030 district goals that peter inspired us a few years ago to start thinking about and, and moving fast on. And so this program ultimately was meant to be a way to accelerate those businesses and nonprofits to reach the minimum goals and then hopefully go beyond those goals. And so the revolving loan fund is a uh, is a new concept here for the city. It's not a new concept in general, but we have not had a sustainability revolving loan fund for comprehensive sustainability projects, as CJ outlined with energy, water, transportation, green tea, or uh, uh, waste and then green team support and that's what w the program's all about the revolving loan fund is uh, below market rates so we're talking three to five percent interest rates up to ten thousand dollars once the, the business or nonprofit has completed the scale-up educational workshop series if they have done that and they've benchmarked their building and have a plan in hand they can then apply for these low interest loans and small grants that were generously provided as well and the concept there is if they will ultimately will uh, implement the plan and get to at least a 10% savings, they could hopefully go back as the, gr the fund grows and be able to apply for larger loans at those low interest rates and be able to unlock greater incentives. Even greater capabilities. So it becomes somewhat <laughs> self-perpetuating because they, they receive you know economic benefit and then they reinvest it. Yeah. Exactly. That's the whole idea of scale up and as is, is, was originally envisioned was to get businesses to continue on and keep implementing larger goals. And let me, let me add something that which hasn't been mentioned yet was a very important part of this class. This was six sessions but it wasn't a class where they came and sat down for three hours and got lectured to. They got support in looking at their own building 
meetings and figuring out how the energy was being used. And each session, twice, the home, the property owner sat down and talked to each other about what was going on. <clears throat> so it was very much collaboration engagement that moved them forward because they realized that they were both competing with each other and helping each other become better in what they were doing. So that engagement was extremely important and something that really makes these kind of things work effectively. Yeah. And I just want to build off the economics portion there real quick and um, talking about this idea that um, we, we wanted to be a one-stop shop for businesses because, you know, if you've ever known a business owner or if you've ever worked with a business owner, um, you'll understand that they're really busy. Sometimes a business, business owner, they're also, uh, sometimes they're checking you out. Sometimes they're, they're a repairman. Sometimes they're doing the bookkeeping and the accounting. Uh, so they're busy. So we wanted to be a one-stop shop. So we provided the education. We provided the resources um, and the professionalism from the 2030 group and then the funding. That was that last portion um, because a lot of the time, um, some of these other energy efficiency programs, they'll hand businesses a uh, sustainability plan and say, okay, here's our recommendations. But then that sometimes just sits on a shelf. And so we wanted to make sure that didn't happen. Right. So we wanted to make sure we, you, I, I kept using this saying a lot, uh, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So we wanted to get them as close to that as possible. So, you know, we gave them, we said, here's your plan. Here's your steps that we worked with you on. Uh, here's the resources that you need. And then here's the funding. Um, and then the other thing we had to kind of, the economic side of it is, is um, Sustainability doesn't have to be expensive. People, when you tell them, like, you, your business should be more sustainable, they first thing they think of solar panels. I'm like, I can't afford that. That's expensive. I'm like, well, I didn't say solar panels. You know, we're talking, we're talking low-hanging fruit here. We're talking, uh, tell your employees to turn the lights off when they leave the room, close the freezer door and the lockout in the, you know, in the restaurant. Um, use recycled paper when you can. You don't have to buy new paper just to print a memo. You can use the backside of recycled paper. Uh, you don't have to be buying all the straws for your customers. You know, sometimes they don't even want it. You're saving money there. Um, and then things like LED lights and uh, low flush toilets. There's rebates out there. It's not that expensive. And the ROR, the return on investment on a lot of these projects is usually within a year or two years. And after that, you're just saving money. Um, so that's one of the things we had to one of the myths we kind of had to dispel when we were talking um, to these businesses that this isn't expensive, you're gonna see a return, um, just, just trust us. <laughs> so John, with all of that foresight and you know planning and thinking about you know the obstacles and you know working on accessibility and perception and and funding uh what were the what were some of the obstacles that you you did run into even with all of that in place well this was a thing something that we created from nothing right so certainly one of the big obstacles was to um create the original um <clears throat> the, the curriculum find the uh, a place to have it uh, the timing the people to teach the uh, the organ you know the uh, uh, the different uh, sections of the course um, so uh, and the other obstacle that that Mike and and local first certainly helped out a lot with was getting the participants so it was one of those things of you know, if you create this great thing and nobody comes, you know, it's like, what good is that? So to really have a good uh, group of uh, interested, viable participants, and it was it was quite a, um, uh, you know, to, to have somebody from, and we actually wanted two people from each business to come to these sessions. So there was a commitment to have two employees from your business commit to a three-hour session 
once a week for six weeks. I mean, that was a significant uh, effort that we were asking them to commit to. So finding businesses that were willing to do that was, was certainly uh, beneficial. And, and again, I, it was as we look back on it, uh, you know, the, there was just a whole variety of successes out of the business. And as, as has been mentioned, certainly the tangible economic benefits are there, but there, the intangibles, you know, like Peter alluded to, sitting in those uh, three-hour sessions and, and, go, and hearing the discussions from across the room. And one business would say, well, I have a problem over here. And somebody across the room would say, well, I, I, I thought about this. And have you thought about that? And then the, the sharing was really the crux uh, of, of what happened there. The other thing I'd add to in, in talking with some of these folks after the fact is it, it spreads on beyond their business. I've talked to a couple of the folks and they said, well, you know, based on what I learned in ScaleUp, I've gone home and, you know, talked to my family about turning off the lights. I, I, did, I made a decision to put solar panels on my, you know, so the, the impact is not only within the business, but it's spread throughout the whole community and, you know, along the lines of conscious capitalism and, and having that goodness spread, uh, you know, has been, you know, another just really success there that's been heartwarming to see. I, I, I would, yeah. Oh, sorry, obviously I add that real quick, a really good example and, and something we've been telling uh, businesses and for any businesses that are listening to this, um, sustainability is really marketable right now. So if you go to Hotel Congress, for example, they've got signs up all around their bars that say we're being green, we're not giving out napkins, and here's why, because they're being more sustainable. And then if you've seen in trends, um, these type of businesses, they're doing better for the environment and for their <coughs> employees, um, they're getting attention. And they, customers and consumers really like to hear that. And so um, we've told businesses, you know, market that, you know, let people know what you're doing, let them know, be proud of this, of what you've done, um, and tell your customers, because then hopefully customers when they see that no straw sign, they're going to go home and they're going to think, oh, yeah, I don't need that anymore. I don't need to be using that. Or they're going to say, yeah, why am I using a napkin with every single one of my drinks or something like that? So it's that ripple effect that John was starting to harp on there. Um, a lot of good, like a lot of good examples like that. I think that's a really good point too, because when you think about, you know, we want to have educated, you know, consumers. We want them to think about the products and the businesses that they're doing business with. And sometimes, just by having a business, like your example with, you know, Hotel Congress, highlighting the things that are important in sustainability, it raises that awareness. And now maybe they're looking at it other places as well. Mm -hmm. I would also add that, and, and building on these points that were just made, the uh, the opportunity that we had to ignite the passion was something that really could not have been uh, just quantified in a, in a basic way here. It really was intangible that we had this platform co for collaboration that we built for educational connections being made. We're all about connections at Local First Arizona, so whether it be education or networking or whatever it may be, we, we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We want to uh, we want to enhance efforts, and so the fact that uh, we were able to have business owners show up once a week, for three hours after a long day, excited to be there every week. <laughs> yeah, that that's well, that is tangible, but that's a big opportunity to build off of that success that we were able to get people ignited on uh, what's very difficult to do and to want to stick with it. So yeah, it sounds like a key component of the success of the pilot was the trust that Local First had built with with you know their businesses. 
Yeah, and I exactly. Would, I would second that too. Is also we brought the businesses, uh, but we really relied on 2030 to bring the consultants and the uh, engineering expertise, um, like Damien from EcoBlue and uh, the folks at TFS um, and folks from Pima County, things like that. Um, they did a really good job in providing that expertise. And um, I'd have to say too, um, the I heard from a few of the consultants that some of the uh, they they came to all the workshops as well because they were they were learning a lot too. I remember one of our facilitators. He said I was learning just as much as they were hearing from everyone else, and just it's almost like market research from them too because they're able to listen to what these businesses were needing and what they were discussing. So it, it was really exciting. It was quite a production to put on too. This entire endeavor. I would we had so. the Physicians for Social Responsibility organization involved as well to help with the framework here. So this was planned very much to the to the minute for a lot of the uh, components of this. The we framework of the course. The framework of the workshops. We had okay. time for discussion, of course. We didn't have plan everything out to the minute, but for the actual uh, content of the uh, pr- the presentations that we provided, we really made it a best of uh, what's going on out there in the community so that we really were linking up the businesses with the resources that were readily available. And that took a lot of planning to do right. There's a lot to crank through, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And and a lot we couldn't even get into at the level we'd want to. Uh, Peter can speak more about this, but the idea is to ultimately get businesses to be considering deep retrofits. This was more of a foundational version of this program for now, but we eventually want to get to a point of going deeper with these concepts so they can indeed get to the 50% reductions of the 2030 district goals and package all of these uh, efforts together and to save more money ultimately. So what does deeper look like then? Uh, you know, that's something that actually came, came from Rocky Mountain Institute. Um, and basically what it does, it looks at all the costs in a building are going on, not just the biggest challenge with a building owner is uh, we say, well, here, you can reduce your energy use by 50% if you just spend $8 million on your building. You say, why would I do that? Just give my tenants cheaper rent. Well, if we can take a look at all of the costs in the building, the operational costs, uh, employee costs, all sorts of things, you can begin to look at how all those can be reduced. So the operating costs can go down significantly. The other thing that that does for many building owners who are maybe in a two or three year framework thinking, yeah, maybe I'll sell this building, <clears throat> this can improve the asset value substantially. And it's something we learned very well in Seattle. We've got a, a model here that we use called the generic office building just to make that case. But you can turn a building from being not marketable because you owe more on it than it's worth to a building that's worth quite a few million dollars by investing in this and taking and reducing all those costs. So that's 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 the concept of it is taking a look at all the costs and what the positive financial asset benefits can be and by doing that. So not, not just the value of the building, but also uh, what makes it more marketable. So you got a sea oh, of commercial sure. real estate out there, right? And someone has to, you know, figure it out and look at something more than just maybe location and price per square foot. Well, now they're looking at, you know, the sustainable of the building as well. Well, and that's very true because that's something we found in Seattle uh, with many of the building owners involved. We could show a building owner how his building was performing compared to five or six other similar buildings. And that would obviously be motivation. If he saw two or three that were performing a lot better, he'd say, well, look, and they're getting all the good tenants too, and they're signing <laughs> longer rents for more money, and uh, it, their buildings are worth more than mine. I should do something, you know? So it, it's, it's, it's friendly competition that raises everybody together. And I th- I'd just add to that too. I think in in terms of the the 2030 district, uh, you know, we're looking at uh, goals for 2030, which is 
and as certainly as the years go by, it's you know it's coming, but it's still <laughs> 11 years out. So uh, a lot of us get caught up in short-term views. You know, what do I need to do? You know, this year or next year, blah blah blah, and. You know, we, I think part of what the district can do is continue to bring to the table into the conversation, you know, let's look three years out, let's look five years out, let's look seven years out. And so this concept of a deeper retrofit and, and you know, beyond the low, what we call the low-hanging fruit, you know, okay, I change out my LED lights and I'm done. Well, not exactly. Okay, so let's take a little bit deeper look and look at, all the other factors and there's some some uh, significant things relative to just the inhabitants of the building the tenants of the building that uh, can make a big difference that people just aren't aware of and you know one of my favorite phrases that y'all get tired of hearing is you know what we do a lot of it is help people know what they don't know right and bring to their awareness resources and ideas and checklists and things that oh i didn't even know that that exists i didn't know that there oh i didn't know that that was a potential you know and here's a new technology that i had no knowledge of oh thanks and that's what that's what we bring together you know and, and build these businesses I've, I've got a quick example there was um it and he brings up a good point social behavioral changes of employees or um uh, management or of the users of the building can just make a big impact so those are like a no cost uh, improvement but one example was we had a a member of ours or a participant of, of scale up um we we did walkthroughs for all the uh, buildings um so myself or peter or john or mike and some other energy experts we would go walk through the building with them to to help them notice some things about their building and the general performance um and one of these buildings they had a a downspout coming off of their ac unit on the roof um and it was funneling air out in four directions um just into this large uh, warehouse room but right underneath it they had a large um uh, i guess it was like scaffolding for storage and it was like blocking like where the ac was coming from and it's like well why is that there they're like uh, just because it works well I'm like well it's right underneath your ac system it's not get your ac is not getting like a third of the of your warehouse you know and you've got employees in here you know they're working in the summer it's hot and i was like you'd probably be a lot more efficient off just by moving that storage away from the ac unit um other things too of like if you're in an office building just repositioning your desk to take advantage of the natural light then you know it better so better mentally for the employees and also you can turn your lights off so just little things like that you don't know what you don't know until you know right so uh, a couple things that come to mind as it ties to conscious capitalism uh, real quickly let me remind everybody you are listening to conscious capitalism elevating humanity through business in southern arizona sponsored in part by retirement evolutions wealth management driven by the purpose to maximize the number of people who lead secure and comfortable retirements um, so uh, two thoughts the first you know conscious capitalism is very much about it's not just the capitalism part the dollars and cents there's the soft dynamics and i'm hearing a lot about uh, we talk about retrofitting a building normally that's a decision made really what does the ledger look like if i invest this much how much am i going to save over time how much more will i get at the time of sale but what we're seeing in the environment now more and more is that consumers are interested in these things your occupants people that are going to be signing the leases they care about the efficiency of the building these are questions they're asking and if you're not on the front end of that curve you can find that that business asset becomes diminished simply because not because you weren't pursuing the 
the environmental benefits, but there's an economic side of that too. Those soft cost things really come to be. Um, uh, the other comment I want to make is just you know the the consciousness of it. That's what conscious capital is. I I firmly believe that there are not a lot of people out there twisting their mustaches looking to how can I take advantage of people and you know spread my nefarious agenda. It's people aren't. Uh, they don't want to block off that AC unit. They just, they're going about doing their business and they just haven't called time out to look for it. And once you see it, it's hard not to unsee it anymore. So the napkins at the at the bar, great example. Those are all things that once we start tipping those dominoes or putting a ripple in the water, it, it moves to all shores. It's kind of cool to see. Yeah. Well, let me add something else too, which really fits in with conscious capitalism. And that is <clears throat> obviously, Climate change has been a big topic in the news recently and skipping politics. Um, if you look at any city and you look at the emissions created, nearly 50% of it comes from the built environment, commercial buildings and homes. About a third of it comes from transportation. The rest of it's industrial, but the opportunity is there. And where it starts is, let's take a look at our building. We can be a part of solving this problem if we want to. And actually that's the only way it's gonna happen. And I think that's where conscious capitalism really fits in. Everybody's got a role to play, if not a responsibility, but an opportunity. And we can solve that problem if we work together to do it and help each other find the way to do it. You know, the other, the other thing is that, and I, I'm sure this is, you know, one more benefit that you either have or, you know, have not identified is just the employee engagement that comes along with mm -hmm. it. Because, you know, here you're, you're involving, you know, your entire staff, because everyone has to be a part of it, in this initiative of something, you know, that is so great as, you know, 2030. And so they come to work every day and they're very, very aware of how they're contributing to that to that benefit and making those those changes and mm -hmm. engagement is huge for productivity so that little thing that they're doing because these businesses choose to you know be involved with the programs you know there's one more ROI um, you know that is definitely paying off I'll add to that uh, one of our partners on the program many partners we could do a whole show just on naming each partner <laughs> and their role that's, that's how big this program got one of the partners has been uh, Mrs. Green's World mm -hmm. and Gina Murphy Darling and she's done a lot in this community to get uh, businesses to engage with their employees mm -hmm. so they form green teams and focus on behavior change and and that's been a big part of the, the uh, focus of our program too is to make sure that it's not just about learning about the concepts and the steps you can take within energy, water, transportation, and waste, but then how do you build the culture to have it stick? Mm -hmm. And it's something that we even learn about at Local First more than we already have a lot of knowledge, obviously, and everybody at this table does, but it's uh, prompted us to have our own conversations about what could we do more, and CJ's already identified some awesome ideas on, for example, transportation and how we could have incentives for employees who bike to work more and, and knowing exactly what the needs are because we're having these conversations and we start to make a plan for our individual office and everyone's going to have a different uh, scope of work there and, and detailed plan but it's also inspired us too you know, we have to walk the walk as much as we can if we want the others to as well correct it's, it's interesting I've, we noticed um, if most companies will reimburse sometimes for travel or for parking but a lot of times they won't incent so they're incentivizing uh, you know single car or single occupant driving a vehicle um, but they're not really incentivizing alternative modes of transportation or biking um, so for one example uh, Technicians for Sustainability, they offer a really good um, uh, transportation program for their employees where, where they will pay for um, 
fully pay, subsidize, uh, a, a bus pass or a to-go pass, um, and they also pay their um, uh, employees to actually bike to work. They give them a stipend for bike maintenance and things like that because just like when you get paid to drive your car for work, um, you're putting wear and tear on your bike as well. And so they, they recognize that and they're incentivizing that. Um, and I have to say too, once again, being marketable and attracting uh, new uh, talent to Tucson, um, Mm. Bikeability is a big reason why people do like Tucson, the ability to bike to work safely. And um, I think companies are really recognizing that nowadays, that that's what uh, young employees, they want. They want that option to bike to work. So um, offering that to your younger employees and attracting mm -hmm. new talent to Tucson, um, that's a big portion of that as well. So just those employee benefits, they really do um, make a difference. Yeah. So, go ahead. Your I thoughts? was going to say, I was just going to say, I was going to ask John something new. So, John, other than, you know, your work with the Scale-Up program, how else is 2030 engaging, you know, with the community? So, I know you're only one day, you know, past emerging, but what are you, what have you done, you know, what else have you guys done? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the awareness, so, so, so let me just say this, in terms of the community, um, one of the things that uh, you know, I say that the 2030 district is uh, can have a positive impact on uh, economic development in general. So that if a building owner, for example, decides to do a retrofit or decides to make some changes to their building, often that involves some other um, you know professionals that uh, need to do the work. Right. So there's work that gets created by some of the activities that we do. Uh, I think the other thing that uh, as we've now evolved into kind of joining the, the national scene, you know, uh, a, a, a recognition that Tucson is a place that is concerned with high performance buildings and that we have an awareness and a concern about that, um, I believe that that's an economic uh, driver to, you know, for other businesses to move here. You know, if I'm if I'm looking for a place to move my business, and I can say, well, Tucson has really high performing buildings and maybe some good rent and maybe some good uh, indoor air quality for my employees and so forth. Maybe I'll move to Tucson rather than move to uh, Dallas or or Denver or L.A. or some other place, right? So there's an economic development piece that, that helps the community. I guess the other thing is I think, I think it's fair to say for those of us around the table that uh, consciousness in terms of our um, inherent values, I think we believe that uh, climate change is an issue uh, and anything that we can do to help mitigate some of the effects of climate change, move the needle in whatever way that we can, uh, I think that's behind a lot of our um, passion for the work that we're doing. Certainly it's my passion, uh, this is my hard work, and, and I believe that, um, that we need to continue as a group to, uh, you know, get people so to get people to the table. I mean, one of the things that the district does, I believe, is we provide a place where people can come to talk. We provide a container. We provide some education and some resources to say we don't have the answers. We don't know how to do some of the stuff, but let's get together and collaborate and talk about it and and so for us to help just provide that 
table, that place, that container for the conversation, that's, I think, the crux of what we're about. And that was as we talked about the, uh, when we worked with the city and the county and the university, uh, you know, to uh, kind of encourage them to join the district, we sat around a conference table in the, in the county building uh, downtown. And people looked, you know, in the city and the county and the university was all there. And people said, well, there's no cost. There's no penalty. There's nobody forcing us to be here. It's just like, oh, let's just kind of get together and see how we can collaborate and solve the problems that we've all kind of committed to do locally. And that was that's the... That's the heart of what we're really about. Good things happen when you yeah. pull people together with a common goal. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm curious. I'm going to play the role of, um, you know, the interested business owner or facility owner right now. Um, we talked about the pilot pro program had 11 people or 11 organizations in it. And I understand the playbooks are sort of still being written for 2019. Um, but I'm just curious, uh, is, do you have a sort of, is it always going to be this three-hour, six-week course format? Is there going to be sort of a light version? How do people get engaged? You, you guys have gotten me fired up. I want to be part of scale-up <laughs> activities. What do I do? Where do I go? Call this phone number. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And go fast while supplies last. Here we go. Shameless plug. Good timing for this question. Yeah, absolutely. We're working on that now. We're getting feedback from the community. What worked well? What didn't work well? Um, one of the major feedback we heard, when, when the biggest things we keep hearing is loved it loved the workshop just it's a little much so we're tooling around we're going to figure out what's better either less workshops or less time uh but essentially the, to us though this time commitment is pretty important we are going to keep some sort of um long format workshop where businesses can go through this whole program to access these benefits like the um the incentives of this, the loans and things like that because we think it's important that businesses really do get educated um you know it's just one thing for them to be interested but to understand where their energy comes from when the lights turn on and where the water comes from um when they turn the tap on we think it's really important that they understand those things so we're going to have this long format still whether it's five or six workshops three hours or two hours um and plus it builds community like peter had mentioned before it's we think that's really crucial to this whole program but other than that that's to me i'm calling that scale up basic um when you when you just want an introduction to everything scale up basic and something we're going to be working on with 2030 district is this idea of scale up plus so uh borderlands for example borderlands brewing company they're a great company they've done a lot um already they're doing more with after the scale up program but Let's say they want to learn just specifically about water um, in their business. Um, so we want to do a scale up plus workshop series where it's one off every month. Um, it's continuing education. Great um, idea. Yeah, this this idea of a scale up network, it's it's a community builder. It's a platform as well. So we don't want it to just end after the workshop, you know, the six week workshop. We want people to keep coming back. And that's the whole um, scaling up your education and scaling up your initiatives. So if businesses, if they go to more uh, workshops and they're learning more, why can't they access more um, capital for their projects? Or why can't they access better incentives? Um, and so deep dives into things like deep retrofits, energy star portfolio manager, water harvesting. Uh, it can be specific like um, industrial kitchens and how to be more sustainable in them. Uh, and so if you're a business owner and you can't make it all six or all five, but you want to come to one offs, um, we're going to have that set up for you as well. And I would add from the 2030 district perspective, we, we certainly have a, an educational focus as part of our mission. Um, and 
you know, we have basically three kinds of members or partners of the district. We have the building owners themselves, but we and then we have a whole group of the professional community, architects, uh, engineers, people that do influencers, uh, you know, influences, and so forth. People that can provide the services. So, working together with uh, local first as we move forward into whether it's scale up uh, plus or whether we you know have our you know some other lunch and learns or maybe some one or two uh, day sessions that we would do in terms of a specific technical uh, you know a deal you know we'll we will collaborate in the future to provide a whole educational curriculum in uh, 2019 and beyond where uh, we can bring to you know provide those resources you know for people because it you know there's new technologies happening every day right. every week you you're know? gonna have to already update and, your class from July yeah, I'm yeah. sure and the, the whole idea of you know building management systems and control systems you know the we're moving into the you know a real technological phase we've seen that with our homes you know you can control your you know your thermostat and your lights and everything from your phone well to take that to the business, you know, is you know, is yet another step, and uh, so we're looking to provide those resources and educational opportunities, you know, down the road. I have to say, I never thought I'd nerd out so hard on light bulbs and toilets. <laughs> what amazing topic! I, I, huh? You know what? I, you, you say that until you realize how far we've come in toilet technology in the last five years. Oh, wow. I just had a business. She went from 1.6 gallons per flush to 0.6 gallons per flush. So, yeah, yeah you know, it's exciting Sounds times. Sounds noteworthy. Yeah. Exciting times. And I was at, we visited a business a few weeks ago, and they have, you know, your light. You know, you, have, you can say, well, you change the LED lights. Well, they have sensors that, you know, will sense as it gets light out, you know, it automatically dims the lights or it opens the shades or closes the shades. I mean, those degrees of automation, you know, for, for saving, it, you know, it's just... It gets, you know, it's amazing. Most of those building there. management systems that you're yeah. talking about, yeah, right, and they yeah. can be very complex. Oh, I yeah. yeah, 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 phenomenal. I'd like to be able to control my colleagues' lights and room temperature <laughs> from my phone just for prank purposes. That sounds like there's a good investment there go. right there for my uh, needs. Yeah. You got something, Sarah? Uh, well, I will just mention that I um, I am uh, you know a business owner and I do have a building, and I am totally in. So you know when you're ready for Scale Up Plus, and even if you need some place to practice, you know come come to me. So because we and I know we need some help, and we actually even have a mis uh, a machine shop in the back, so we could we definitely oh, are high cool. energy consumers. Oh, good so. to know. Yeah, your exactly. Card. Yeah, for sure. So you know, John, I just I'm curious. You know, when you talk about building systems uh, do you have relationship with some of the local um, like mechanical companies like you know Sun Mechanical you know comes to mind and and you know kind of getting you know more into their heads and getting them to help you know lead their customers yes and we're evolving to that you know as we grow we'll continue to uh, fill out if you will our professional membership uh, we do have uh, Johnson controls is uh, you know as a member um, we've got the, you know, DLR systems, their architect. We've got, you know, several uh, other ESCO, what they call energy service companies that are, you know, we're looking to uh, have members of the district. So, 
uh, again, we're we're still a little bit in the startup phase, and uh, we're looking forward that as our awareness uh, increases in the community, that more and more professional members and architects and so forth will uh, join the district and members and offer their services. And what what we what we ask of them is to commit to you know, maybe some discounted rates or some in-kind services as their contribution to the district. So we're, we're, we want them to catch the vision of what we're doing and then offer their, you know, share the vision, share the passion, and offer some services to help all of us, you know, move the needle forward. And what they will catch in that process is the opportunity for more work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's where I was going to go. You talked about, you know, yeah. di you know, differentiating a building that might be, you know, a for sale. We'll talk about these mechanical companies and how do they differentiate themselves and, you know, kind of being a leader in this Im important movement and this important goal of 2030. Right. Exactly. And also it builds, uh, well, building on what Peter just said, market demand. It's uh, ultimately we're uh, creating demand for the uh, green economy and making it about much more than just the obvious. You know, there's there's a lot of talk about solar when we talk green, but it go it goes so much deeper than that as we're talking about today, from the the lighting to so much more. Yeah. And, and it back to John's point, they don't know it until they learn about it from us. A lot of these businesses, and so they're really grateful when they can uh, understand it's a lot more complex and also not necessarily as costly as they might have thought. Right. You don't have to start with solar. And, and and most shouldn't, right. uh, you know. Most have some are ready because they've already been doing some measures over that are saving energy and they're primed for it. But that is definitely not what we recommend as a starting point. It, it should be reducing before you're producing with solar. Right. Yeah, we really didn't even talk about this too much. But Local First's whole mission is um, keeping uh, our. Executive Director Kimber Lanning describes it as a pinball, and if you know we're spending our dollars in the community, we we'll want to keep those dollars uh, bouncing around. It's like a pinball game. How far right. can we keep those dollars bouncing around? So um, you know we are encouraging these local businesses to then go find local installers like EcoBlue or Simple Energy Solutions, um, and then maybe even find like local printers so that they it, that maybe offer recycled paper goods for printing or more. Uh, sustainable practices um, so we're keeping that economic effect um, bouncing around we're keeping those hours locally so. John you had mentioned uh, off-air that uh, you know knowing what you don't know that it sounds like the program starts with an assessment and you can actually get a quantification on basically how you score on your efficiency and then it becomes an iterative process from there am I describing that correctly yeah that's correct you know so we'll approach a building owner if they have some interest and we'll just offer to uh, do a measurement or what we call a benchmark of their building so we can take their energy data uh, put it into software program called portfolio manager and it, it comes out with a score their building which you know compares their building nationally to uh, hundreds of other buildings of a similar type so uh, you know it'll and it comes out with a score of 0 to 100 so once we do that we can go back to the building owner and say okay your building is now a 68 uh, what do you want to do about that and then you know, it, it's an entry point into that decision of, you know, now, oh, now I have some hard numbers that I can really look at. You know, I think I shared with you, we had one, one client that, you know, we did that for their building and they were appreciative of having some solid number or, you know, measurement to base their decisions on. They say, okay, now let's see if I do, you know, now uh, I can help 
you know, make a decision as to whether I want to keep that building for another couple. Do I want to spend, you know, so much dollars in fixing it up, you know, and so forth? And how it it's a it's a it's a key input into some of the decisions that the building owner can make then as to how they want to proceed with uh, improving the building, keeping the building, you know, and so forth. So uh, having that, you know, it's kind of like having some base number data to build on is, is a key to get them started in the conversation. Makes perfect sense. Got to know if you got, you got to know where you are and then get a vision for where you're going and then you can figure out how to get there. Exactly. So yeah. Peter, I, I kind of have a question. Uh, this, I think it sort of ties in with vision. So you've been involved with, you know, 2030 from its inception with mm -hmm. the, you know, the first chapter or whatever we call them back in Seattle. Mm -hmm. So now that you've been involved in Tucson and we've officially gone from emerging to a Official, you know, what do you see as the outlook for Tucson? I mean, are we set up for success? Are we going to do this? That all depends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it's it's a slow process, uh, and it's a process of, of discovery as you go, as we're finding out. But we've got a good start, and we've got more people being interested in doing it. And like I said before, I think showing people the opportunities that are available to them <clears throat> is the way this whole thing is going to work. And again, it's, it's, it's one step at a time. And when you're on a pathway, often uh, you take wrong steps. But as long as you have an idea of where you're supposed to be going, you, you can find your way back to the path. The other thing that's important that I found in that pathway process is that sometimes you may not know where you're going. But if you get engaged with enough people, somebody's going to be there to say, here, here's where we're going. Let's, 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 let's go this direction together. So I think that's that's the important thing. We need to, continue to, need to continue to engage people in the community and show them what the opportunities are so they see the future can be as bright as we want it to be. Well said. Sustainability and energy efficiency aren't exactly the sexiest topics, but uh, City of Tucson and this community has a really uh, big heart for these type of, type of issues, and um, they're already doing so much great work, and um, I think all of us here at the table are just here to enhance it and um, get engage these communities more. So they're doing... Tucson's wonderful, and I think we're in, in good shape. Well, you know, CJ, you know, you've made toilets sexy, so yeah, I think, sure. you know. <laughs> All right, mission accomplished, pal. Yeah. And I want to add real quickly here, if we're also thinking about shifting our dollars local while being sustainable, the impact can be tremendous. So yep. quickly, a study that we have uh, is that if a community the size of Tucson, it's found that the, if they were to shift 10% of its spending from non-local to local businesses, the shift would have an impact of 1,600 new jobs, $53 million in new wages, and $130 million plus in total economic impact. 10%. And that's at a 10%. So we're talking 10% shifting local spending, 10% yep. Uh, reductions with our sustainability uh, uh, actions, you know, how do we have more reductions in our facilities? All of it adds up to a much bigger impact. Right. Numbers don't lie. Yep, just right. one more ripple, right? I mean, it just yep. uh, just keeps going and going. So I, I just exactly. want to thank everybody, you know, for being on the show today. Mike, CJ, uh, with Local First and Peter and John with the with the 2030 district. So thank you so much for being on the show and you know and more importantly thank you for for the work that you're doing. Like I said, um, you know, I'm I'm sign me up. I am okay. I am ready to go. <laughs> I'm a little bit intimidated about what my starting score might be, but you know it is what it is. You got to own, you know, <laughs> own where you are. So, uh, you know, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. All right, thanks, thanks so much.